Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of Abishir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Office Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. That the words in the Mishnah are always chosen very carefully, and that if the Mishnah chooses the words, Ezui Derech Yishara, what is the Derech Yishara? What is the straight path? So then there, it wasn't, the other words weren't used for a reason. So why was it Davka, these words that we're using, that he was, that, that he was asking them, to search out the derech yeshara, the straight path. So we understand, we understand as follows, that I mentioned yesterday that the nachash, the snake, is introduced to us in the book of Bracious. The nachash in the third chapter of Bracious stands, looms, looms huge, and that he causes the downfall of Man causes the downfall of woman. He causes the change in the world. The world was supposed to live, the people that were created were supposed to live forever. Death was not yet brought into the world. And it was only because of the Misa, the story with the Nachash, did death get brought into the world. After we see the Nachash in that event, we then see the Nachash again later in the book of Reishas, that when Yosef gets thrown into the pit, it says, The pit was empty and there was no water. Rashi points out, There was no water, but there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. So once again, we see scorpions. We see uh, snakes, excuse me. We then have Moshe, who when God comes to him and tells him to go and to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, Moshe demurs. He says, no, I don't want to do it. He's hesitant. And he's not sure how the Jewish people are going to listen to him. So God shows Moshe, he tells him to take a stick, throw a stick on the ground, and the stick is going to turn into a snake. And again, for the third time, we see Nechashim, we see snakes. We then see later, that when the Jewish people complain about no water before they're about to enter into the land of Israel, so then they are stricken with a plague, and to heal them, there's they're meant to look at a copper serpent that is on a stick. And once again, their trek in the desert ends with a nachash. The world began with a nachash. The Torah ends with a nachash. And we need to understand what role does the nachash, does the snake play in our history and what role does it play in our philosophic understanding of what God wants from us in this world. When the snake was punished, the Torah tells us the snake was punished with two different punishments. The snake was punished like the chaynchatelech, that it had to walk on its belly and he was told that he had to eat dirt his entire life. We spoke a few weeks ago about the concept of the snake eating dirt and why that was a terrible punishment. The punishment was that the snake was now disconnected, cut off from God. 
Because anything that the snake needed, anything that he, that he wanted, was sitting always right in front of him. Food was prepared. Everything was there. He didn't have to hunt. He didn't have to worry. Everything was given to him. And in essence, what God was doing was cutting the snake off from God. That was a great punishment. The second punishment, though, that God gave the snake was that he had to slither on his belly. Why is that a punishment? You know, he gets around pretty quick. A snake doesn't have a problem moving. He doesn't have to worry about his feet getting tired. He doesn't have to worry about tripping over anything. Snakes got it pretty good. Very interesting that when you talk about somebody who is a dishonest person, a person who slithers, a person who goes shucks and jives, goes to this direction, then goes to that direction, you call that person a snake, a snake in the grass. When we look at something that's dishonest and something that is something that's not straight, we compare it automatically to the snake. The fact that the snake had to walk on its stomach, had to slither on its, on its belly and slither through the world, when you see a snake, all of a sudden, it engenders a certain fear and discomfort in a person. And it symbolizes crooked living. What's the difference between crooked living and straight living? Crooked living is really based on a person's own feeling. It's subjective. It's based on their own emotions. You have a choice, and therefore you make those choices. Whereas straight living is really objective living. It's consistent living. It's living with a past, living towards a future. And I'll give you a beautiful way of looking at it. If you take, this, every person has to hope that their life is this way. You take a dot and put it on a, on a chart at the very beginning of your life. Then you dot every major event in your life and major decisions that you've made. And then you put that last dot on the chart. And what a person has to hope and pray is that you can draw a straight line from the first dot to the last dot. That everything that you've done everything that we have accomplished, everything that we have been involved in, every major decision that we have made in our lives is consistent and it's bringing us towards our end. Take a look at a person who doesn't have a consistent life. And if you tried to chart their life, it would be, it would be like the stock market. It would be up and down and up and down. And you couldn't draw one straight line through it. That's living in a snake kind of way. That's slithering through life. That whenever something comes up, sounds good, I'll go there. Sounds good, I'll do that. It's, we, we like to say in a liberal way that it's eclectic living. But it's much deeper than eclectic living. It's really ultimately living without an ultimate purpose, but it's living in a very subjective, in a very, very personal kind of way that is focused really on, on my own ideas and my own pleasures and not connected into some larger picture, not connected into a past, not focused towards a future. 
not something that's looking and guided by something outside of myself, something greater than myself. And that's the difference between a straight line and a crooked line between the line of the snake, between the line of the Nachash. The Nachash was punished that it now had to walk on its belly because that's exactly what the Nachash's life was. The Nachash made a decision that it was going to go against the creation of God. It was going to go against what God had put and defined and designed for this world. And if he couldn't do it himself, he was going to cause man to do it for him. He was going to cause man to rebel against God. And therefore, the snake was living with his own self. He was living with his own emotions. He was living with his own choices, not living with absolute choices, not living with larger choices. Yosef gets thrown in a pit. God wants to send Yosef a message. There is no question that Yosef understood that his brothers threw him in the pit. Yosef understood that his brothers made a terrible blunder. And if Yosef was a regular human being, he had two choices in front of him. He could vow vengeance and revenge against his brothers and that someday he was going to get them back or he could look at it and he could say that there's something much bigger than me that's going on here something much bigger than this pit god is involved there's something there's something larger this is part of the destiny of the people that we are becoming and therefore i can't vow revenge because this is much greater God shows Yosef a snake. He gets thrown in the pit, and Rashi points out that there is no water in the pit. It's an empty pit. That would have been enough. But it wasn't just empty. There were nechashim, there were snakes in the pit, because God was sending a message to Yosef that if you follow your emotions, if you follow your own decisions, if you follow your own self, you could end up here in absolute destruction. This could be the end of your line. If you live like a nachash, so then you live a life that's all over the place, a life that's a little bit here, a little bit there, that just keeps shucking and jiving and moving and slithering, but it's not a consistent life. Moshe and Aaron go to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. And the stick turns to a snake. The stick could have turned into a hyena. It would have been a great trick. It could have turned into a gnat, and it would have been a great trick. Why Davka turned into a snake? Because, again, God was sending a message. If you follow your emotions, now at the very birth of the Jewish people, you need to hear this message. If you follow your emotions... If you, if you slither and you move in every direction, if you don't have a consistent guide, if you're not living by an absolute set of values, then you'll be nothing more than a snake. But if you follow the derech hayosher, if you follow the stick, if you follow the straight path, if everything you do is connected, everything you do is consistent, 
So then that's going to end in geula. That's going to end in redemption. If you look at the middle of the Torah, we mentioned yesterday that the word in the middle of the Torah is about, it's, the, it's in Pashash Shmini, which deals with the laws of Kashras. The letter that's written, that's the, that is the center fulcrum of the Torah. It's the middle, when you count the letters of the Torah, it's the middle letter of the Torah. It's written bigger than all the rest of the letters in the Torah. You can find it easily in a Torah scroll. When you open up a Torah scroll, there's this vav that's three times the size of any other letter and thick. And the vav is from the word gachon, which is talking about the snake slithering on its belly. And right there in the center of the Torah, God sends a message with the letter Vav, straight, yasher, stick, in the word snake, that you have to make a choice. Are you going to live by absolute values? Are you going to live yasher? Are you going to live straight? Or are you going to live subjective? Every day is a new day because every day you're a new person. Every day you're, in, you're, in, you're thinking in a new way. We spoke the other day about being mechadish, about, about rejuvenating yourself, but rejuvenating yourself within the context, rejuvenating yourself to the same point, but not picking a different point, picking a different focal point, picking a different, a different, a different goal every day. The goal is ultimately the same. Serve God, connect God, become a good person. That goal can never change. When that goal changes, then you become like a nachash. But when that goal is solid, focused, then you're like a stick, you're yashar, like the vav in Gochen. And at the very end of our trek in the desert, before we enter into the land of Israel, God sends us the same message. There's a snake on a stick. And what God is sending us, he's telling us that through your lifetime as a nation, you're going to be sick. There are going to be times when you're going to suffer. There are going to be times when you're going to go through bouts of holy, bouts of sickness. And you want to know how you're going to heal? You're going to have a choice. You can either go like a snake or you can choose the derech hayasha. You can choose the straight way. You can choose the straight path, the consistent path, the path that resonates with your internal integrity. And if you do that, that's going to heal you. That's going to get you into the promised land. That's going to bring you to Geula. That's going to bring you to redemption. Noah comes out of the Teva. Noah has a choice. He can live, reestablish the world by the principles of yashrus, by the principles of straightness, of consistency, or he can become subjective, get lost in himself. He can get lost in his own emotions. Noah plants in the ground. The Torah no longer calls him an ishtam, no longer calls him a tzaddik, it calls him an ish ha'adama. He gave himself over to physical living. He gave himself over to the land. And he planted a vine. A vine is crooked. It's not a straight up tree. 
It's not a tree with a majestic trunk and leaves that flow out into the air. It's like a nachash. It's like a snake. It shucks and it jives. And Noach makes a decision. Even that vine could be used for something beautiful, Kiddush and Avdallah. It could be used for something, something magnificent. And instead, Noach chooses to get drunk. He chooses Shichrus. His life now follows not the straight path, but the path of the Nachash. And he fades off into the sunset. And we never see him again. Avram Avinu comes into the world and Avram Avinu plants a tree. He plants an Eshel, a beautiful, majestic, straight-up tree. Because Avram Avinu understands the mistake of Noah's planting. And Avram Avinu plants a Yasha, something straight because that's the choice that every human being has. Every human being has the choice to be objective or subjective, to follow absolute rules, absolute Torah, or to live a very subjective, unfocused kind of life, which is based on my feelings, based on my perspectives, based on whatever winds are blowing today, that's where I am. There was this fellow who was the only Jew that had a non-Jewish father coming out of Mitzrayim. He didn't have a tribe. And he goes to the court of Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe, he wants to be in the tribe of Dan, which is mother's tribe. And Moshe paskins that he can't be in the tribe of Dan because he's not doesn't have a father from the tribe of Dan. And it says that he goes out and he blasphemes God. He curses God using God's name. In the end, he gets put to death. It's a capital crime. We're taught that section in the Torah that that is, in fact, a capital crime. But when it says that that man went out, so Rashi gives a few different understandings. One of them is that he went out, like I explained to you, from the basin of Moshe, and he was told that he can't be from the tribe of from the tribe of Dan. But Rashi brings another possibility, that what happened was that he heard that in the temple, in the tabernacle, they're going to make bread once a week and put it on the table of the showbread. And that bread was going to be changed out every Shabbos morning. Baked on Friday, changed out on Shabbos, and then the bread from the previous week that was changed out on Shabbos was going to be given to the Kahanim. And he went ballistic. What kind of chutzpah is that? That this is what you're going to do to God? You're going you're to keep stale bread on the table and you're going to give that to the Kohanim? They're going to get bread that's been sitting out for a week? This was pre-bakery time. There weren't preservatives that they put inside that bread. This was long before Entenmann's. This stuff didn't have a shelf life of 17 years. This stuff was going to be gone right away. And by the time that week was over, this stuff was going to be completely destroyed and moldy. And he blasphemed God. 
Now, do you understand the problem with that? On the one end, he's defending God. He's saying, God, it's not, it's not covered to God. This is disgusting. You can't treat God this way. And how does he carry that out? He curses the very God that he was trying to defend. So our rabbis explain that he's very recognizable, this fellow. This fellow is called an activist. And he's an activist because it just depends on the situation. He's always, we call them in Hebrew, a kitsoni. He's always going to the extreme. And when you look at the extremes that he lives his life by, one week he's living his life by this, and the next week he's living his life by this, and if you take those two things and compare them to each other, they are often contradictory. And he becomes passionate and engaged and involved in a lifestyle. And then he becomes passionate and engaged in another lifestyle. And those lifestyles are often contradictory to each other. That's the life of a snake. A derech hayasher is a person who goes through his life and many times he becomes passionate. And he becomes passionate about different things, but those things are consistent. They're consistent to his core. They're consistent to his values. They're consistent to his very essence. Comes along Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai and he turns to his five beautiful students. And he says to his five students, What's the way to become a yashar? What's the point to weave through everything in your life? From your job, to your family, to the way you raise your children, to where you go on vacation, to how you do your leisure time, to the kind of Shabbos you have, the kind of Yom Tov you have. How do you stay consistent? And each student, digging into themselves, each student tells him, a good friend, a good neighbor, a good eye. And his final student tells him, if you weave a good heart into everything you do, if everything you approach with a good heart, that unifies everything, and you'll be living the life of a stick, not the life of a snake. You'll be living derech hayashar. You'll be living a consistent life, a beautiful, amazing, incredible life where you had incredibly diverse experiences, but they were all connected to each other. They were all consistent with each other. And that's what Rabbi Yerchanan ben Zakkai wanted his students to understand. So, ooh, or ooh, he said to them, go out and realize this. Life is awesome when it's lived consistently. It's eclectic and it is, it is engaging and it is it, it, it is beautiful and it's new and you get all kinds of variety, but all of it is connected to one derech hayasher. And that's what he wanted them to explore and to incorporate into their lives. And with that, I feel like we need to make a seum. It's like finishing a tractate in, in Talmud. This, uh, this took us a little bit. But I think, I think that it was, that it's an important understanding. The, the, each little piece 
and the larger the larger picture of it. There are two large takeaways from it. And the first is, is that when you look at individuals and you're able to recognize the the value of an individual, you can look at the quality of an individual, that's not singling them out over others, but it's recognizing everybody's input into the whole and everybody inputs into the whole. Everybody's got a contribution to make to the whole. And then the the other major takeaway from the general Mishnayas is this concept of Derech Hayasha, this concept of living a consistent life. You know, I have to tell you that if I had one word that I would hope would end up on my tombstone, I don't, I don't need the usual stuff on my tombstone. You know, great father, great, great grandfather, great, great brother-in-law. I am. I know that. I don't need that on my tombstone. The thing that I need on my tombstone is I need the word consistent. That's what that's what a person has to shoot for in their life. Derech hayasha. That it's it's a flavorful life, colorful life, but it's yasha. It's all connected to the same point.